got the puck out in front on the steal from Logan O'Connor. Well, for the believers out there, thanks for sticking with us. I know, you know, there were some doubters out there after the last game, but but uh, I knew our group would, would respond with a real good effort, and uh, we did that tonight. Puck is in the high slot, feet across to the left, and now back to the right for McCarr, drags and shoots, he scores! <laughs> Strength goal to make it two to one. Vegas still in the lead. You think I like the shootout? Pass broken up by Colasar. Loose in the circle. Vegas controls. They are patient out to center. Here they go towards the open net. They'll drop it off and it's touched home by Colasar. Empty net goal for Vegas. Do you think they've slayed the dragon and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper? Just crush my dreams. Boom. Sadness, that's the one. The Golden Knights snapped their four game losing streak last night, beating the Colorado Avalanche three to one. I forgot that one clip from him about the doubters. That was great. It's like, who doubted? Well, <laughs> oh, it's great. we are still doubting the power play. Well, uh, that's oh. obvious. 0 for 3 last night, 0 for 14 on the season. They did score a shorthanded goal, though, yes. which kind of makes up for not scoring any power play goals, at least for one game. Uh, so last night, they were on the power play for six minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, they had 14 shot attempts. They had four high danger chances. So they did not have a high danger chance per minute while on the power play. Now, I have, I have two numbers for you, and let me know what you think of this. The Golden Knights, well, actually three here. The Golden Knights power play. They're the only team in the league that has not scored a power play right. goal. All right. That's fact number one. Fact number two, they are taking the seventh most shots on the power play this year when you adjust per minute. Seventh most shots in the league. And third fact, they are fourth in the league in expected goals on the power play this year. So zero goals, but they're top seven well, in both shots and expected goals while on the power play. I mean, it's an end result, right? You have to score the power play. You have to get goals. But that, to me, tells me they're not the, – the structure of it isn't as bad as people think, right? I mean, that's what Pete DeBoer always says, like, trust the structure, trust the system. So if those are the numbers you're telling me on the two last numbers, then maybe the structure is better than we think. And yet, at the end of the day, I think they'd rather have a bad structure and actually score goals <laughs> than a good structure and never score, right? I mean, just have a bunch of guys out there with no structure at all. But if they score, like, yeah, we'll, we'll just continue to do that. Because even bad structured power plays are going to score better than more than yes, 0 of 14. Exactly. Like it's, it's just going to happen. Like you've got an extra player yes. on the ice. You're going to score pretty frequently. Um, so last year, the Golden Knights were not a very good power play team. Uh, they actually ranked 21st in goals on the power play last year. But they were first in shots and they were fifth in expected goals. So last year, when you look at the numbers, it's even better. The structure says, yeah, yes. they're getting the chances, but they're not scoring very much. This year, it's the same story. So we now switching the narrative because the narrative has been change the coach. Are we now saying the coach is okay and they're just not doing their job by finishing? So 
I think that's probably the number one takeaway. And if you look at the Golden Knights roster, even when fully healthy, how many true goal scorers do they have on the roster? Max Pacioretty, is that it? I was going to, he was the first one I was thinking of. Um, You know, it used to be William Carlson. This is an organization that goes out of its way to find players that they can describe as 200-foot players. Mm -hmm. To the point that even when the Golden Knights draft guys and the first way they're described as 200-foot players, people on Twitter will complain and be like, great, another 200-foot player. Like, But that's the type of player they want. They want guys that are good both offensively and defensively. They, they want guys that will play the entire length of the ice. They don't want, you know, essentially offensive specialists. And I think the power play is where that hurts them. It's not a bad thing to have 200-foot players. That's a good quality for a player. But I think that hurts them because you look at the roster – and who's a true goal scorer? You look at their bottom six. If they're fully healthy, you look at who's supposed to be on their bottom six. Are any of those guys, Dodonov, Tuck, Waugh, Kolasar, no, Carrier? Not pure goal scorers. None of those guys. No. They do not have a Brandon Peary type player who has deficiencies in his game, but the guy but can, can score, score goals. Can score. They don't have that guy. Right. So when you have a power play, and especially when you don't have Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone and now what, Alec Martinez and Alex Tuck, you're not going to have guys that score out there. You're going to end up with, I don't know what, Nick Waugh playing power play minutes. So I think it's more of a roster construction issue than anything else. But at the end of the day, you still got to be better than 0 for yeah. 14. Like, I don't care how good or bad your structure is. At some point, you have to finish some kind of chance. Right. And I think, so, where does the blame go? There's probably some that deserves on the coaching staff. Because at some point, you got to realize, hey, our guys aren't good enough to do this. Even though we're getting the shots or we're getting the chances we think we should be getting, the guys aren't good enough yeah. to score those. Something needs to change. So, there's, I think there's a lot of blame to go around, but I think at the end of the day, it's roster construction, and it's the type of player the Golden Knights go after that's causing more of these power They missing Alec issues. Martinez and his one-timers? That's, that is one thing that he is very good He's at. He's very good at one-timers from the dot. Power play, opposite side yes. of Ovechkin, one-timer yes. from the face-off yep. circle. Yep. <laughs> that, is, that is a He's go-to very good play. At oh, yeah. It's probably, for all the shot blocking he does, that might be what yes. he's best at is that one-timer on the power play. So I think they are missing that because that was, I mean, hell, that was like every, what, seven, eight games, a guaranteed goal. You'd get one of those from Alec Martinez. So they probably are missing yep. that. So power play wise, it's kind of pathetic. They haven't scored yet. It's pathetic. They're 0-14. The chances in shots suggest they'll start, they'll start scoring, but they also suggest they should have been scoring more last year. I think it's the roster. I think roster construction is causing them. What makes the Golden Knight when they're healthy, what makes the Golden Knights good at everything else in the game makes them a little bit worse at hockey well, because of what one they of those 200 foot players, I believe is in the AHL for Nashville right now. Cody glass. Yeah. I think he's, I think he got sent down. He I don't might, know if he's been, I don't might, know if he's been he might brought be a up. 20 foot player. <laughs> you mean you're taking away one of the zeros? You're taking one away a zero. Uh, We're just not sure which 20 feet on the I, ice that is. I wanted to ask you about this because I saw this yesterday, the Cervelli tweet where um, it says Buffalo uh, is working towards a resolution with Jack Eichel. And what a shock. The Golden Knights, they'll take, uh, they'll go after anybody. They're always in. That. They're always in on it. Our team to watch. Okay. So bring me up to date on Jack Eichel in terms of, we know he has the neck issue that, you know, supposedly has to be a fusion surgery. Um you make the deal for Jack Eichel, and you have down here 
people like Riley Smith, who's going to be a UFA anyway, Alc Martinez, Shea Theodore. Supposedly they've said no to Peyton Krebs. We'll see about that when you're talking about Jack Eichel. If they did this and he makes $10 million a year, do you do this if you know he's not on, if he's not back till next year? And okay. that's, look, it's not an ACL. That's what I keep telling people. I told someone last night, this is a major surgery on a part of your body where you don't want to get surgery. Yeah. So the report from Severali was they're working towards a resolution. Don't know what that means. Whatever that means. Does that mean they're going to let him have the surgery he wants? Or does that mean they've got a team that they might trade him to soon? We'll see. But if I'm the Golden Knights, okay, my biggest concern about trading for Jack Eichel isn't so much, hey, is this guy ever going to come back and be good? My concern would be the Stanley Cup window is open right now. Right. And if you trade for Jack Eichel, is he going to play this year? So trading away Riley Smith or if it, you know, if you got to put Alec Martinez in there to make the salary work or whatever, like, I don't like that because those two guys are going to help you win the Stanley Cup this year. And Jack Eichel probably won't. Right. Now, if you were a different team and it was okay, yeah, we're a good team now, but we're really looking at like a year or two down the road to be really good Stanley Cup contender. That's the type of you know organization that I think would say, yeah, you should trade for Jack Eichel because this year's not as important. But this year is a, even though they suck to start the year and they've got a bunch of injuries, they're a Stanley Cup contender. Like once they're all healthy, the Golden Knights should be expected to be one of the final teams standing here. And trading for Eichel just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, they continue to lose, right? If they lose tonight, lose Friday, and the injury status of Patchetti and Stone is worse than expected, and those guys are going to be out longer. If all of a sudden we're looking at, oh boy, they're playing half a season, they're under 500, they don't have some of their best players, then you might say, well, let's pack it in on this year. Make the trade for Jack Eichel. Let him have his surgery? Yeah, let him have his surgery. Come back next year and roll with that now new super team of with Eichel, Stone, and Patch Ready playing yeah. together. They still have till November 28th before they need to figure out whether or not they're, like, playoff bound yeah, or not. Thanksgiving? Yeah, give it a month. No, no, that's the first day of Hanukkah. Oh, oh. good call. Good call. Oh, it's in November this year. Yeah. Early. Good God, Hanukkah. That's early for Hanukkah. Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean the first okay, the first year we did this, where we started making fun of hockey people for saying if you're in the playoffs in Thanksgiving, you're going to make it. We did Hanukkah. It was like December 11th. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's also you know eight days. So, <laughs> uh, but I just I, I saw that yesterday, and the first thing I thought is, when is he going to play? Yeah, well, that was actually something I was going to ask: is is this the type of surgery that you could put him on long term IR? And save I, think the ha- ca- I think he'd have to be. Well, but then once the playoffs come around, will he have rehabbed enough that you're like, all right, go ahead and come we'll off. throw you in there with the neck injury? I mean, it'd be a lot of fun if they were able to put him on long-term IR and then bring him back for the playoffs. But other teams have done that and actually done yeah, quite well. Pretty good. Uh, but you'd still have to get rid of some salary, I think, to make that work. I, well, I don't no, think, because yeah. it's a, uh, Stone's on IR. and Stone so is not on long-term no. IR. No, Patch Only Patrick Patch Reddy is on the right, so And uh, Jake Bischoff, right? Jake Bischoff, very important contribution <laughs> to the team being on long-term IR. The problem is, He's though... He's saving him money. The problem is, though, like, even if you were to trade for Jack Eichel, put him on long-term IR, I think you'd still have to make room to bring Patrick Reddy back in the regular season. 
Nah, no, you just keep them on IR until the. Uh, not gonna make the playoffs. Oh, the money, the money. Yeah, yeah, because you can put you can put as much money on long term yeah. IR as you want, but when you bring those guys oh, back, they have to make up for it. You have to yeah. be under the salary cap yeah. still. Nah. So until the playoffs, that's what the Lightning exploited. Is once you get to the playoffs, yeah, it doesn't matter. There is no salary cap, so that wouldn't work a whole lot because Patretti would still have to. You still have to make room for Patretti's seven million to come back. So I mean, I'd love to see him on the same line with Patretti and Stone because he's he's an incredible player. But I'll go back to the kind of injury it is. Yeah. You are not. You are absolutely not certain that he'll ever be the same yeah. again. Yeah, no chance with that injury. But you're right. If Jack Eichel was a Golden Knight and they had oh. Eichel with Stone and Pacioretty, I mean, you're talking about the Nathan McKinnon line, yes. the line in Boston, and Connor McDavid. The is Connor maybe, McDavid line, exactly. maybe the only lines that are better. If those lines are even yeah. better, that that's it. That's it. Like those, it's the upper echelon of best lines yep. in the NHL. If Jack Eichel's all of a sudden playing with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. But it probably wouldn't happen until next year. And the Golden Knights are trying to win a Stanley Cup right now. So I don't know how much sense that actually makes. Coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Hello. We got what's all up? four of us on the same what's show. Up? Oh, my god! All four yeah. in the house. Darn right. This is beautiful. Five. Five. Uh, well, Jared was kind of snappy with us earlier, so we're um, we subtracted him from the. That's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. Yeah. Forget about him, anyways. He's here usually. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, how are you guys doing? What's up, guys? Good. Good. How are you guys? Not. No, I'm not well. I'm obviously with the Dodgers. It's not been a good oh, week. Oh, I know. Not been a good week. Was that you robbing the bank around the corner from our office wait, yesterday? Wait, <laughs> that's right. I saw your tweet. That was that was a. Uh, Little little nervous wait, wait, time wait, there. Wait, I missed this. What happened? There were legitimately 200 cop cars oh. a block away from our office. There's a Wells Fargo on the corner of uh, Charleston, Charleston and, and the and, and the Strip, and it and yeah, apparently some dude walked in there with the gun and decided to rob the place. And um, it, it was it, pro tip here is don't rob a bank that's within a mile <laughs> of Metro headquarters. It's just a really bad idea. I mean. Uh, Pro tip is don't rob a bank, period. Yeah, maybe. That's a, that's a good <laughs> I mean, tip. it's not legal advice, but it's just it, the, the guy literally, and, and you know, the marshals are around the corner too. So be, doing anything like this downtown is just is bad. Maybe like Southern Highlands. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, did you guys see the video? I think it was Fox 5 yesterday oh. of the lady trying to cross the street while they were doing a press conference yes. about how it was dangerous to cross the street. And oh, she my gosh. Down. I retweeted the video. It was mind-blowing. This poor lady is trying to cross the street in a crosswalk, and so it's flashing yellow, and then she almost gets smoked by a semi-truck yes. on as, camera. As there is a press conference going <laughs> yes. on about pedestrian traffic safety. Oh. Okay, I, I do genuine question about that. Obviously, if you get hit by somebody in a car, you can go after them. If it's kind of known that, hey, this crosswalk is too dangerous to cross, like, are you able to go after the, the public body, whether it's a city or a county that sort of governs that? 
Yeah, so you can. If it becomes, if the design and the function of an intersection is changed in some way or it becomes known to be unreasonably dangerous for whatever reason, absolutely. But the cities and the government entities in charge of it have to be put on notice before you can make some claim. But it happens all the time. When a roadway intersection, speeds, things like that are, are designed initially, some, sometimes things change and over time it becomes more dangerous and that creates a problem. And so then they have to take efforts to remove that danger uh, it was i mean i'm sorry it was classic oh i mean it, well, it was the fact that they were holding the press conference at the exact time that woman and, and people like oh it's set up no it wasn't set up she pushed the button and she started to walk <laughs> it, there's nothing set up about it but the thing that i noticed in the video and this is for everyone listening if you watch the video you realize that she's walking on a crosswalk she's got the the signal is in her favor she knows that she's able to do it and she's not paying attention. And if it actually weren't for all the people filming that that started yelling at her like, whoa, whoa, watch yeah, out. Yeah. She looks up in the nick of time and jumps out of the way. And it wasn't a car that was gonna smoke her. It was a it was like an 18 wheeler. Oh, it was, it was a, a giant truck. truck. Was no chance. There was a huge truck. Oh it would have been a it would have been over. And so I I think the takeaway for me is, you know, don't become don't become a statistic and don't become a client of ours, yeah. please. You have to Just, have your head on a swivel. If you're crossing in a crosswalk, even if you've got the green light, you've got the little white, you know, light on saying you can cross, don't do it without looking every which way because people drive on the wrong side of the road here. They, they don't pay attention. They're on their phones. They're high. They're drunk. Just be careful. I mean, not to be morbid, but I, I think her family would have been the clients. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, you're absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> it wouldn't have been good. Uh, I want to get to this as well um, because we I, we have a certain question here and for you guys about a lawsuit. I, I'm sure you heard Stan Bowman step down as Blackhawks GM. It dates to the um, sexual assaulting uh, accused of sexual assaulting players. The video coach Brad Aldrich. Um, there's an investigation. How who knew what and when? Uh, investigation was uh, led by a former federal prosecutor. Said these guys were made aware of this stuff in 2010. Quick question here, which I don't know if this made sense, but the unnamed player who uh, allegedly was assaulted, is seeking $150,000 in a lawsuit. Tyler and I both saw that number, given uh, the Blackhawks were fined $2 million in this, and we both said, man, that seems really low for what this guy went through. I, th is that like a legitimate question when you see $150,000 in such a lawsuit? So I didn't see the actual number that's demanded, and that's not it's not normal really to prove a, a full number that you're demanding early on usually okay. what happens is is there's thresholds in particular court systems mm. that you need to meet or exceed to get to a certain type of case a okay. jury trial or in different judge system um, so it might just be that they need to have a case that exceeds one hundred and twenty-five thousand um, to get into a specific um, part of the the justice system where the case is filed uh but realistically i don't know what his damages are i don't know what what happened and what the injury was what took place and so that that always dictates the value of any claim uh regardless of the nature of it is what took place and what were your damages as a result of it and so right now i just i have no idea but you're right with the fine being as high as it is and his claim if it is one hundred and twenty-five thousand, it's interesting. Well, it okay. says more than one hundred fifty thousand, uh, okay. and to me, that means you're exactly right, Ash. It's like it's it means that they're just that's they're, the it's a threshold. It's a threshold okay. number. 
Okay. Yeah, so they're just trying to meet a court threshold to get into a jury trial or a justice court uh, so that they can have their case heard. Rather than being forced in sometimes these limited trials or limited civil trials where they, one, they cap your recovery, and two, they sometimes have different rules on the discovery process. Okay. So, obviously, the former coach who is accused of the sexual assault, he is, there's obviously legal issues, criminal charges for him. I'm curious, though, the Blackhawks investigation for them as an organization was more about who knew what and when they knew it. And they found that the head coach and the general manager and a bunch of other people in the front office or in leadership positions found out about this in 2010 and basically did nothing about it. Are there like criminal charges that can be filed against somebody who doesn't do something about a sexual assault situation when they are the head coach or the GM, when they're overseeing the person that's accused of the sexual assault? 100%. Um, but it, you know, it depends on the jurisdiction and how the, how the rules are written, but you, if you're aware of, of an assault going on uh, or in a, in a, in a abusive, a criminally abusive uh, pattern of behavior going on, you become an accessory at the very least after the fact. Um, you can become an accessory to the crime. There are, there's are, those are felonies in most jurisdictions. Um, and, and so there could be criminal charges and there's, there's really no tolerance for this. This is, to me, I mean, this is the, this is the kind of stuff that, that absolutely now needs a ton of daylight on it, full daylight, and, and everyone here needs to be held responsible. And if there are criminal charges that apply, throw the book at them. So there's a fun story. Well, I don't know if it's fun, but Halloween and contact lenses and how Ugh. people are buying contact lenses off the internet and wearing them for their Halloween costume because you got to have the right eyes, obviously. Nobody will know what you are. Uh, and having issues from that. But aside from that, I'm curious, do you guys have, like, what's the most ridiculous Halloween injury story that you guys have had or heard of in a case? Oh, injury. Halloween. Ooh. You know what? I had one that was a party. There was a Halloween party and a firework was thrown over the fence from a neighbor who was upset at how loud the party got. And unfortunately, the firework, you know, it blew up on in the middle of this this party and so there was some like hearing loss issues yeah it was it was sad but i don't have any that are really related to a costume or an injury like that well okay i get the contact lenses because i want green eyes i wake up the day after halloween and can't see can i sue the people (laughs) who gave me the contact lenses or did i did by me buying them and taking the risk it's my risk and i shouldn't have bought them you know, that's a great question because there's some rules that limit liability for retailers, online retailers like Amazon, which is the best. You know, normally whenever you have a retailer that puts a good into the stream of commerce, they can be held responsible, right? This is a, a basic, you know, tort law. Now, the problem is, is that Amazon, some of these big um, online retailers have carved out certain immunities for themselves. It's total BS. And and it's something that needs to change, frankly, in our in our in our legal system because I think everyone I know right now has bought their costume off of Amazon, mm-hmm. like literally everybody, mm-hmm. and so and they're buying them from from whom from from yeah through Amazon, from but from some some you know Dingleberry company in China, right. and yeah, good luck good luck chasing down that money. I mean, yeah, and a great point here is a girl in our office. She was just joking how she bought her costume online and she ordered a medium and it can fit three human adult <laughs> humans in it, and then her her boyfriend got a large and it can fit a whole like 
football team inside of it. And so if Amazon can't deliver a product with a, a decent sizing um, for a body, why do you think they're going to be able to put a product in for your eyeball? Like I just, there is some risk there and I don't recommend you do it, but I, I'm always Sam. I think Amazon and a lot of these e-commerce sites need to be held responsible also. The same way Walmart is mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, Target any, any or, bricks yeah. and brick and mortar operation. So this next one is, I think, Jared's favorite story, and I feel like you guys probably enjoy it, too. There is a lawyer in Texas who calls himself the Texas Hammer, and he is suing a lawyer in Alabama who calls himself the Alabama Hammer uh, for copyright infringement. I, where, where does this go? Oh, Jim Adler. Okay, this guy's a nut. Uh, and and he, he, has been, he has been the hammer uh, for, for a while. And now he feels that somebody else is um, is usurping his place as, as the hammer. <laughs> it, you know, I didn't look at the marks of this. I, I heard about the story, but I didn't go to the USPTO website to check out what the actual trademark language is. If the trademark language in the trademark filing that Adler put forward says hammer, legal <laughs> comma, legal services, right? <laughs> They got a problem, right? They, they this the the Alabama hammer might be, you know, uh, up up, you know, uh, the crick. Unless he's selling hammers, but he's not. But if he's an attorney, right? So if he's an attorney and he's doing, but if it says Texas hammer, comma legal services, I, I don't think that the Alabama hammer can come along, or or the you know the the Nevada hammer. Should we be the yes? Please. There's already please. fake ash out yeah. there. The There's a fake hammer. ash out there. Now we we. We are um, we are original, though we did have the people that own Sam Ash Music get mad at us when we first opened, and uh, that was funny. And we sent them a letter to go pound sand, but it was, I mean, because we don't sell guitars and they don't give legal advice. Well, they really shouldn't if they are. Yeah, yes. and they shouldn't. And it was so funny, and it was it was so actually belittle. I think it was just very um, diminishing to the company to, to to even do it. It it, it so these these suits. They really are very fact-specific and depend on the filing and depend on the timing. So first in time, if if Adler came along and it was Hammer, you know, maybe Alabama's in trouble. Such a great story. By the way, did you use the phrase pound sand? He I did. did. With the hammer. With the hammer. I'm just like, I had never heard that phrase until my girlfriend said it. And I make fun of her for being like, you're the only one that says that. But apparently she's not. She's you not. Just, do you not know idioms? I don't know. Why would I hear anybody say pound sand? You know, Tyler's a numbers guy. He's, yeah. not really, he's into stats. Not, not words. Not words. Numbers. Yeah, ridiculous. You know, whereas I can't do numbers worth worth crap. So this is all I got is <laughs> turns of phrases. It is SamAndAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. As always, we appreciate it, guys. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Bye. All right. Coming up next, Jameson Welch joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Russell! Russell, throw it down, baby! Now there's a grown man's drive. Russell Westbrook! (laughs) Come on now! It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now is Jameson Welsh. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jameson with two E's in the. All right, Jameson, how worried were you when Anthony Davis went down grabbing his knee last night? 
I mean, it's never good to see anyone <laughs> grab their knee like that. Like, that's always the worst fear. And it's crazy because, like, 30 minutes later, Nikola Jokic did the same thing. It was kind of scary. Uh, but, no, it's never a good thing. It, it's one of the worst things you can see, especially with someone that's had issues with injuries in the past. And he tends to fall a lot for different reasons. But, uh, no, it, we all think the worst because that's kind of how we think when someone's on the ground grabbing their knee in a situation where it looks like their leg got rolled up on, even though he got pushed in that situation and they didn't call the foul, but that's a different story for a different day. Small sample size, watching the Lakers, what do you think? They're old. <laughs> they're old. <laughs> uh, but they're not bad. Like, they have some things to work out, but they are not bad. They need a couple of things. Kent Bazemore can't be your best primary perimeter defender that can't happen because that's not going to work over a period of time that's going to get exposed versus the good teams anyway so they're going to have to eventually upgrade that or at least make some adjustments to that and they play big which i don't get with the guys they have like deandre jordan dwight howard those guys you know were class of like high school of 04 and i want to say deandre was like 05 those guys have had their best days and, you know, when it comes to big guys, there are certain things in order to be successful in this era, your big guys got to be able to do. They have to be able to show on the pick and roll and recover. Those guys don't do a great job of that anymore. So it leads to a lot of easy baskets. It's the reason why the Spurs scored a bunch of points last night. For the first three quarters, the Spurs were basically scoring over 30 points a quarter. Um, they've had those issues versus Phoenix as well. So I'm going to be very curious to see what eventually takes place. Anthony Davis is one of the most unique players in the world. He probably needs to be playing the five, and if he's playing the five by himself, there's no other bigs on the court, it makes things a whole lot easier for the Lakers in general. When they go that two-big lineup and they throw Westbrook out there, who's not a great shooter, and sometimes they pair him with somebody else that's not a great shooter, man, it's a rough lineup. But, yeah, it's a work in progress. They are two and two. They will probably be three and two after tonight. It's not it's not bad, but they got some work to do. They've got essentially the entire season to figure this out before the postseason, but how do you think Russell Westbrook actually fits into this team specifically in the postseason when teams can get more hyper specific game planning and you know leave him alone on the three point line more often? So that's the thing. When the postseason comes, they're gonna have to play a little bit differently. In the regular season, you'll have games like last night where Russ is able to do the things he's very good at and have great nights and put up great numbers and, you know, get great results. Uh, and the postseason is a little bit different. Like you mentioned, we've seen the last few years of teams just leaving alone. Heck, the Lakers did it a couple years ago in the bar last year in the bubble. Uh, where they just left them alone, and if you made threes, okay, we'll live with it. But we kind of knew the results of that. Now, there are certain things you can counter that if you're the Lakers. So you can make Russ, Russ the pick-and-roll guy. You can basically have him be the screener and have LeBron or AD handling the basketball and go from there and make Russ the playmaker out, out of the pick and roll. That's a way to counter teams not guarding him or teams kind of being away from him. So there's ways to attack it, but in terms of ultimate spacing, it's going to be tough because he's not a great shooter. Like There's times where he can get streaky and hit a couple in a row, but that's not the strength of his, of his game. So it's going to be interesting to see what adjustments Vogel and the staff make going forward because teams are going to leave them open. They'll rather double LeBron, they'll double AD on the, on the catch, but they'll live with Russell Westbrook and the other guys trying to beat them from three and from the outside. 
How good are the new look Bulls? All right, so they're good, but can they beat like a good team first? <laughs> like, like they're good. Like they're four and zero. There's excitement. I know there's a lot of Bulls fans out there. It's a top, probably a top five fan base in the league. I get it, but let's kind of hold on. Let's see them. Uh, let's see them beat a good team first. Like, let's see that, and then we can kind of go from there. But they have looked. They have looked good. I do like their team. I do, I love. Zach Levine, I love DeRozan. Uh, Caruso and Ball are good pickups. But Patrick Williams, to me, is the key for them. He's the big wing guy who's gotten a lot better. He's the guy that if he comes along and he keeps on showing development, that's going to be the guy that can put them in a very favorable situation out east because he's a guy that's a very difficult matchup if his game keeps progressing. So that's why I look at it. And they have Vucevic in the middle. So they have a good, solid, young team. Uh, but again, I, the level of play has to get a little bit better, or level of competition has to increase before we make any you know sound judgments. What do you make of the Dallas Mavericks playing all 15 players yesterday, and then Jason Kidd telling the media afterwards, "Well, there's a three-player leadership council, and they came to me and asked for all 15 players to play." It's a very interesting situation. <laughs> uh, the Mavs have a very unique way of doing things. Uh, they have Mark Cuban, who obviously owns the team. They have a general manager. They have a guy that is known as a basketball gambler that is involved in their basketball operations. Uh, so they have a lot of <laughs> different ways of doing things. And, you know, they are who they are. Um, their biggest issue is this. They paid, you know, Porzingis a lot of money. And he has not panned out for what they gave up for him and the money that they signed him for. That's been their biggest issue. You can play all 17 guys. You've got two-way guys on there. I don't care. The key is the two guys that make the most money got to be able to produce for you. If your two biggest guns produce for you, you can figure everything else out. But when you got one max guy, Luca, who's doing what he's supposed to do and playing very well every night, that's great. But the second guy, you just never know what you're going to get. And Porzingis did not have a great night last night. And it's like, man, that contract is basically holding them up becoming a better team because as long as he's on the roster, they have a limit of probably the first round. Like they're probably not going to get out of the first round as long as Przingis is on that team with that contract with the way he's been producing. Okay, so usually really good players make leaps, you know, one year to two year to three year. Are you even surprised how good John Morant is? No, uh, definitely not. And his jumpers gotten better. I saw the gas all both of the LA games over the weekend, and the one thing that come you know, come alive is the jumper. The jumper looks a lot better. He's more confident in it. Um, you know, there was times in previous seasons where, you know, he was, teams would leave him open. He would shoot around in the 20s from three, which is never good. But he looks a lot better at it. Looks a lot more comp- comfortable, confident in it. I expect him to get better at that. But also the team is better. That's the one thing people got to realize. Memphis is a well-balanced team. Their biggest issue is they don't have that one marquee all-star now they have a lot of pieces to go get one if they choose to but you know right now they're a nice fun young team that plays defense very hard they have a they're very deep but they don't have that one guy that they can give the ball to and, and go get 20 in a quarter they don't have that guy on a consistent basis they're a team that if bradley bill would want out that's a team i can see making a move for him because they have the assets to do so do you think Daryl Morey is making the right choice by saying, hey, I'm not trading Ben Simmons unless we get superstar value in return? 
Um, they have looked at this situation for a very long time, well before he's gotten there. Like, the organization has messed this whole thing up. They have enabled Ben Simmons to be able to get away with the stuff he's gotten away with. Then they get mad at him for doing the stuff that he's always done. He's never shot from the outside for whatever reason. Uh, He's always had the same issues in his game since he's come over. He really hasn't gotten better. But then you want to blame the guy and make him the fall guy when everyone else underperforms. That's not really cool. Both both sides are at fault. Like it's not just a Daryl Moore thing. It's not a bit like all everyone involved at fault. The biggest issue with Philly is that they have basically beaten up their own brand. They beaten up their own guy so much to where why would I give anything of great value for a guy that you guys have been beating up in the media for the last six months? Like why would I do that? So teams are like, all right, well. I'm not going to give you anything great for a guy y'all have been trashing every time y'all gotten. doesn't make sense. So it's very fascinating. But right now, Daryl Morey does not have any leverage to really make a Ben Simmons move. Like, there's really, I mean, as each day goes on, it's in the favor of Ben Simmons because the, the Sixers got blown out last night with the Knicks, and they really don't have a, a whole lot else to really do. So I'm curious to see what happens. But more is a guy that makes a lot of moves, so we're going to see. Does he play for the Sixers again? Uh, no, that's not happening. That that ship is uh, I would be surprised if that happened because too much has gone on. Uh, once they came out with the whole mentally not ready to play, once that happens, it's like all right, y'all, you guys are finding ways now. Okay, like yeah, he's not he's not playing again. Like that's not going to happen. Well, he is Jameson Welsh. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jameson. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jameson. Jameson. Not a problem. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Yeah. Jared just wrote the word Luke, Luke Kennard on the question mark and wanted us to ask. You didn't even give we us a question. We could have just said Jameson, two words from Jared, Luke Kennard. What do you think? Yeah, no, I would have been fine with that. <laughs> no one cares about Luke Kennard <laughs> and his random six threes in a game. I just, all I've got, I, I, I want us as a show, since we don't have an NBA team, rather than adopt an NBA team, which I've been pitching for years, we're just adopting Luke Kennard. You're going to make me hate Luke Kennard for no reason. <laughs> he would be a good guy to adopt, though. I mean, you don't want to adopt, I don't want to adopt LeBron. Kennard. That'd be too easy. Or John Morant or someone like that. That'd be too easy. Luke We're Kennard doing a radio of... <laughs> show. You got hot takes on Luke yes, Kennard? Yes. <laughs> I, I, just, I, would love, I would love to clear out a segment so that Ed could be like, the Clippers are not optimizing <laughs> Luke, Luke Kennard. Kennard. You played the highlight of him hitting six threes earlier this week, and I was like, is he still with the Pistons? <laughs> He's been with the Clippers for like two years. No one cares about Luke Kennard. Find out next where Luke Kennard could play later this year. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. on here is is that there's growth under the soil i, I, I put a picture of a, a flower up right and that it's and it's coming through the ground and the roots are growing out and the roots and the roots are continuing to grow out and everybody wants to see results shoot we nobody wants to see results more than us right we want to see results too but it's really important that that the the foundation is being built and that the the roots are growing out and the only way the roots grow out every single day and they grow stronger and they grow they grow better is if that we all put our we all water we all fertilize we all do our part 
each each individual, each individual coach, each individual player, each everybody in, in the building, that we do our part to water to make sure that when it does pop out, it, it, it really it really pops out uh, pops out and it grows. And so that was my message today. And so there's all I'm always like I said to you guys before, I'm always thinking of different messages to give to the team. Um, that either messages that I think that really fit to the situation that I've gotten before in a situation um, from another head coach or that I've from my dad or whatever. And so that was my message today uh, because we are going through tough times and everybody wants to see results. And, and, they, and But just keep doing what we're doing. Keep watering. Keep And, and look at yourself first and, and know if are you are you watering and are you fertilizing every day. So when it's time to pop, it'll pop. You're locked in the press box. What two and five head coach was that? <laughs> Jesus. The Eagles what head the coach. hell was that? Gardening tips with Nick Sirianni. I can't believe the Raiders only beat him 33 <laughs> 22. Surprised they didn't beat that guy 40 to 3 with all the watering and the fertilizer. In order to motivate football players, well, yeah, how- I put up a picture of a flower. Yeah, I was going to say, how quickly did he lose those guys with the message that, that morning? But, like, uh, can we go now? <laughs> My God. That poor guy. Talk about rambling. That was terrible. In Philly, too. I can only see the Philly media with that. Uh, let's take this guy apart on that flower. Thing. Oh, yeah. That was brutal. Is that like, okay, we got the metaphor after the first three sentences. Hey, he went for another yeah, he, he, bear. He, he, kept stalk- he kept talking about it. Okay, that is a very roundabout way of a lot of quotes you hear from losing coaches about yes. the foundation and the culture right, and the doing culture. things the right way and yeah. building for the future Gotta and get all healthy. that crap. Right. Gotta get healthy. I need some coaches that have immediate turnarounds that just walk in and immediately they take somebody that sucked and their team that sucked and all of a sudden they're good and they're in the playoffs or all of a sudden they're good and go into a bowl game or something. I need those coaches to start being like, yeah, you don't need two years to set a foundation. Matt you, Wells? You don't need two years to make a culture. Just, you can do it right away. Just walk in and be good at the job, yeah. and it'll turn itself around. Matt like, Wells. I just need those coaches to start doing that. Because the amount of times you got to hear coaches explain away why their team suck, because, oh, we're building a culture. Yes. The flower, yes. the roots, it's going to be a beautiful yes. flower in the future. Screw that. Get a beautiful flower now. It's mostly yeah, a go lot to of Lowe's. <laughs> they got a whole outdoor section. A lot of that is also in the college level. You hear that so often right. about we're coming to, well, first I got to get my guys because I got to get rid of some of these guys. And I got to get my guys. And, and when I get my guys, we can build the culture. So that's trying to buy you on a five-year contract three without any kind of evaluation <laughs> because it takes you a couple of years to get your guys right to recruit your guys then you need a year to build the culture but before you know it you're in year four you can completely suck and it doesn't matter because it took you that long to get to the culture part i mean that, and then you in year that four you got a bunch of injuries it's yeah, like well, now it's we gotta get fair. healthy for year five i mean that's how these guys go through five-year contracts oh nick sirianni and the flower that was weird in Philly, too. Mike, you might get away with that in other markets, but I can only see, like, writers and columnists in that town going, oh, this guy's lost it. The most surprising that... thing would have been if that was a coach with a winning record. Like, as I'm hearing that, I'm just going through my mind, all right, which which team is, like, 2-5 and five or 1-4 and four or hasn't won a game yet, and their coach is trying to explain it away. The funniest thing would have been if that Sean was a coach. Sean comes the, in. Yeah, if that was a coach with a winning yeah. record. Sean McVay. Yeah, yeah Sean, Sean McVay. McVay comes in. Like if that oh. was like Cliff Kingsbury. 
being like, yeah, we got to set a good foundation, and then it's really going to pop. Yeah. Well, the first thing I did when I uh, left my mansion this morning was uh, watered my lawn. Watered my lawn. A picture of a flower. Where did he get this picture of the flower, by the way? Did he hand draw this? Probably like his five-year-old. Listen, Jenny, I got to get to the uh, message part of the day. Can you draw me a flower? Because I got to give the guys a message when I get into work today. There's a dog on TikTok that draws or paints pictures of flowers. Oh, it's way ahead of Cassie's yeah. dog. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Literally. Close. Like, Cassie's dog can't draw. The dog picks out its own colors. Like the owner just has like a box of colors, goes How and does picks it, it out. Paintbrush in the mouth, puts it on the uh, and piece of the paint. How's the flower look? And great. Oh, great. it actually, it actually yeah, it looks a like a flower. Oh, he draws the stem, goes back and wow. gets new paint. To draw a circle. Now that's the person who should yeah. be on TikTok, like unlike Cassie, making money. Yes, that person dog, should be making money. Is incredible. And there's dogs that talk. What kind by of dog? Uh, lab, I think. Don't actually. Talk. They, well, they don't talk with their mouths, but they give them a little board of buttons to press and say communicate with their owners. And they'll say like. And they I, communicate with sentences. Yeah, they'll like they'll put their name and walk, or they'll put their name and cuddles, or they'll say <laughs> no and yes. Oh, dogs are great. My dogs are dumb, but these dogs are smart. <laughs>